I. All right, Monty. Day two, how are you feeling? I'm feeling, well, pretty good. I basically tried a new workout thing that I heard about, and it's pretty effective. I'll talk about that in, like, you know, the Monty oh. Minute, but it's yeah, pretty okay. effective. Pretty effective workout tactic. All right. So, yeah, so uh, how you doing? Yep. How you doing? I'm doing pretty well. I, uh, I forgot that I didn't mention last episode I've had a cold for the past few days. <laughs> so, yeah. You didn't even tell me that. If my voice sounds weird, it's just because A, I'm Hezekiah, and B, I have a cold. <laughs> <laughs> well, I realize that, um, last episode with the, you know, the podcast, the mic quality from me was terrible. So I'm just going to hope and pray to whatever is above that it doesn't sound terrible this time. I hope the mic quality changes every single time. I hope it never stays (laughs) consistent. (laughs) It's just, it's just terrible one day. Just peak, just everything, peak clarity the next time. It just goes back to like, what? PS2 mic or Xbox party mic. <laughs> yeah. Alright. Yeah, real quick disclaimer. Real quick disclaimer though. Um, we are 18. We have an idea what we're talking about, but not like an actual like college level or PhD level of understanding. We're working on it. Albeit, we're working on it. But we're also, yeah. you know, the smartest idiot and the dumbest genius. So... Take everything with a grain of salt. Yeah. So, I'm the smartest idiot. He's the dumbest genius. So, let's get into Hezblah. All right. What you got to So, have you ever heard of Moore's Law? Never had, my friend. Okay, so, the by my understanding, the rule is every two years, you get a 32-fold increase in computing power. You heard about it? Like, kind of the idea of it? Never heard of that. This yeah. is a first. This is basically just saying that the computers from two years ago are, are wimps now, and the current ones are beasts, and then two years in the future, these computers will be wimps, and those ones will be beasts. Okay, that makes sense. But the problem is, the rule, it worked for a really long time, but chips have gotten so small that now it's kind of slowing down, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get what you're getting at. Because, so, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Well, no, you go. Okay, so, how small are they now? Like, give me, like, a estimate. Like, just, uh, I've got to search this up real quick, I don't want to get it wrong, but, uh... Oh, no, you can get it wrong, we're not held accountable by what we say. Well, it was something crazy. Uh... Like, when they say microchips, right... I'm oh. not really thinking, like, micro size, but... Oh, they're getting to, like, nano, or something crazy like oh. that. Okay, that's crazy. Like, they're they're getting pretty close to just, like, trying to s- sign their signature on an atom and call it a microchip. <laughs> Let me get Hank Pym right quick. Let me get <laughs> some particles on this. But have you heard how they make these things? Never. Uh, th- They can only make them in, I believe, like, one or two countries in the world. Because they're the only uh, ones with the tech for it, and I mean, I am. Yeah. Well, it's crazy. I imagine the process would be extremely complicated. 
Oh yeah, it's it's incredibly complicated because I think the way it works, and I'm gonna be wrong on this. I've I heard it somewhere, uh, from a guy yeah. who knew who he was talking about, and my memory's horrible. So okay, uh, bear with me, but I believe it's they actually have to write it with a laser, which usual computer chip stuff, right? But mm-hmm. the laser can't just be any old laser because then it'd be too big. So yeah, they have to run it through a plasma cloud. I get it to hit a drop of mercury, if like it's mercury or some sort of the, one of those like crazy metals, at mm-hmm. like millisecond timings, huh? To refract it the right way to be able to hit the chip. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna search it up real quick, but that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Yeah, that kind of reminds me, like, of how, well, back in, well, I think they even still do it now, how the Japanese make katanas, right? How they make their it's what? It's a very delicate, katanas. Okay. Apparently it's a very delicate process, where you would have to get, like, the proper curvature for the edge alignments, and you would have to, like, you know, put in a forge, after that you would have to dip it in oil, which I never really understood but I'll have to look more into forging later on. I just find that very fascinating. Yeah, it's the precision of it, right? Yeah, exactly. I just, I think it's crazy that we have to go through all of this for modern computer chips, but just like a hundred years ago, computers were like these giant bricks where the chips were literally like some guy like chiseling or something. (laughs) Yeah. And see... The whole, like, computers are getting smaller, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's the idea that if you were to take your phone back in time to the point where they had giant computers and said that this is a computer, which, you know, phones are indeed computers, right? Mm-hmm. They would laugh you out the room or they would just burn you on a stake and call you a witch or something. I- I'm I'm hoping that by the, by the 1920s they weren't still burning people, but, I mean, who knows? Nah, we, we don't we, we don't know that. Yeah, but I'm hoping. <laughs> but it's okay. that fact of the how much our precision has increased in these last few years is kind of what I wanted to talk about, and how we're kind of mm-hmm. reaching the limit of that. You know. So you think there's a limit? Well, I don't think there's a limit. I just think it's diminishing returns. Okay. So. If it's diminishing returns, will that therefore mean that there is at some point some sort of limit? Well, I don't know. I've never like tried to find that out, but I think that there would be at some point a place where you can't get smaller than like a a proton or a quark, right? Like those tiny little yeah. subatomic things. So at some point the computers have to stop getting smaller. <laughs> Yeah. Like, um, let me think up an example. Oh, like the uh, iPhone, what is it, 5 <laughs> versus the iPhone 11, right? Yeah. The screen is bigger. It's just bigger in general, right? So the idea, you know, computers are getting smaller, but we also have iPhones that are getting bigger as well. Well, but also, go ahead. Is that because they can't make the circuit smaller, so they're just making the devices bigger? Well, I would say it's a mixture of 
the people want it to be bigger because let's be honest, who wants a small screen, right? Oh yeah. And then also, they can't make it small, or they can make it smaller, but as time goes on, they're making it more densely compact with the new technology they're adding in. Yeah. We're not gonna mention the fact they have like. 20 cameras now but you know it is what it is <laughs> i i don't get that at all why do we need that many cameras well the way i think of it is like um just from different like perspectives on the phone so you can get like a better shot right i, but I, I don't think it's just a business ploy because the whole point is it looks like you're adding more value and you're really not right mm-hmm. like the difference between two and four cameras, you might get a tiny increase depending on like what perspective or what quality you're getting, but it it's tiny. It, it's diminishing returns. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that, that yeah. Makes, yeah, that makes sense. But I was thinking, you know, the camera thing, because, mm-hmm. well, I, I don't do cinematography at all, so I wouldn't know. But my guess is, the more lenses, the better the camera. Well, at least that's what they're trying to sell, right? It's like putting more barrels on a gun. It works to a certain extent. <laughs> once you get to like fifty, <laughs> you I realize mean, look at the minigun. <laughs> yeah. Well, the minigun sticks with like reasonable seven or eight, but there's some guy out there. Like you seen the pepper box guns? Never. I I need to show you this because this is hilarious. Uh, so. You know how back in the day, you could only load like one bullet at a time, and then you'd fire no more, right? Yeah. This is some mad lad before revolvers were invented. Uh, he figured the best way would just to be have a ton of barrels on one gun. Huh. So you would just your triggers determine which barrel you were shooting. Okay, and th- this is a, a later version of it that starts to look like a revolver, but <laughs> I mean, it kind of looks like a revolver. It's I'm saying, but the problem was, you know how the revolver is a chamber and then a barrel, and the chamber is what revolves. Yeah. The barrels revolve on this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's still the it's still the flintlock method of like loading from the front. Or you have to put in your powder and then your shot and then ramrod it down. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you're just loading each individual barrel that way. It's literally a reverse revolver. <laughs> it's like, don't worry, it'll just take me 15 minutes to load this and then I can shoot six shots and do it again. <laughs> Man, that, that, that just reminds me of a musket. Mm-hmm. What is it like seventy five? Seventy five cal. Yes, yes, seventy five cal. And here we have like fifty cal snipers being used by the military, right? <laughs> well, fifty cal is considered overkill in the military now. Like the only time you use a fifty cal is when you're shooting at a tank with like a depleted uranium or something. <laughs> but nope. And we're and we're keeping in mind that like this is like before. Everyone knew exactly how guns work to like a, you know, very high extent. So I just imagine just people going out to battlefield with like muskets because it's like Revolutionary War time, right? So they didn't use that too often because they were put kind of like drafted to a certain extent, right? Mm-hmm. From what from what I know, so it would be like their first time using it. 
They shoot it. They absolutely demolish somebody. <laughs> they go flying back because, let's be real. Newton's laws of physics or thermodynamics or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like, they're going to they're gonna go flying. The person they shot is going to go flying. And everyone's going to be looking at them like, what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> well, what I think is so funny about it is, like, for, for the people who are just, like, this is a running joke. But musket balls, when measured, could be anywhere from 50 cal to 80 cal. And 75 cal is the average. So that's the explanation out of the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's funny how it... I'm rolling it back. It's precision. <laughs> we, didn't, yeah. we didn't know how much force it took to kill someone, so we just made it <laughs> as big as possible. <laughs> and it definitely yeah. killed you when you were hit by it. <laughs> nah. Nah, that didn't kill you. Like, you can have, like, some, you know, normal knight's armor. You can survive that easily. Well, hmm, that's what I think is... Yeah? Go ahead. That's what I think is funny about it, is how people did survive it. Because the whole point is, if if a basketball hits you in the arm, you're probably not going to be able to use that arm, like, ever. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I mean... But but you'll live. Oh yeah, yeah. You'll probably live. If that thing hits in your head, you're dead. Like almost certain. But once we realize that really any any metal object that's not supposed to be in your head entering your head kills you. (laughs) We realized, oh hey, we don't need to use an 80 cal bullet. We just need to use a normal bullet going really, really fast. <laughs> yeah, like, gosh, that's, that, man, that still just drives me up the wall. Just thinking about the fact that back in the day, they had 75 caliber muskets. <laughs> well, it's funny when you realize they use the same shot for the pistols and the muskets on a lot of occasions. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> you can't, I you mean, can't just drop Oh, man. Well, well, think about it. Obviously, a lot of them didn't, but there were some pistols chambered for the rifle calibers of musket ball. So, imagine you're about to assault this position, and you're going to charge the enemy officer, and he just pulls out a 75 caliber pistol and just blows <laughs> you to kingdom come. <laughs> it's literally a pocket shotgun. Speaking of shotgun... Okay. So... The opposite of precision. Yeah, I'm. I might be incorrect about this, mm-hmm. but what I heard is that the lower the gauge, the shotgun, right? Usually, the more deadly it is because that that means that you have bigger pellets going at faster speed. Because, well, less pellets yeah. that are taking up the force, right? So. From my understanding, gauge is one of those really stupid imperial measurements that I love so dearly, which Mm -hmm. they make no sense whatsoever, because the whole point of a gauge is it works in inverse, where the gauge number is how many, it's like how many it's split into. Let me, I I need to make sure I'm getting this right. So, I I think you have it correct. Let's see. Gauge is determined by the weight of a solid sphere of lead that will fit into the bore of the firearm. 
a 112th pound lead ball fits a 12 gauge bore. Okay, so the lower your caliber, or not caliber, gauge, the fewer pellets you have, but the bigger they are, is what it sounds exactly. like. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I'll say. So, now, I'm just imagining, because of the fact it's going, like, you know, you have a lower gauge shotgun, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say Call of Duty or, like, any game with a shotgun range is, you know, correct by any means. Mm-hmm. But I just like to imagine just, a, like, a six-gauge shotgun or a four-gauge, if that even exists, just absolutely sniping somebody and then just not even knowing what hit them. Because, like, just four... Because, like, four massive pellets just stuck <laughs> in your head. Like, what do you do? <laughs> People underestimate how accurate shotguns are to a certain range. Because, you know, in video games, when you pull out the shotgun, there's this massive crosshair. But if you're not, like, within five feet of the person, it's like shooting an airsoft gun at them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it'll hurt a little bit, but it's not going to kill you. But shotguns don't work like that. There's a reason hunters use them. (laughs) Yeah. See, I don't actually know the range of a shotgun. But I would estimate that it's probably like... Oh, you're gonna research it now. Okay. Well, I'm thinking it's like uh, maybe 20 to 30 or 40 meters around that range. That's my guess. Okay, so I'm looking it up here. Mm -hmm. Effective range... I'm hoping that this is correct. <laughs> so one of the more common shotguns, it seems to say a- average range, which means like not not that it's going to be super accurate, but it'll hit its target most mm-hmm. of the time, is yeah. 100 meters. Okay. You know what? I severely lowballed that. That is but amazing. Here's the deal, though. That's, that's 330 feet. Mm-hmm. But... You ever realize how accurate our guns have gotten now? Well, I mean, it's been a while since I actually shot a gun, so I would know. Well, yeah, but, like, for a 50 BMG, right? Mm-hmm. The biggest, the, the big boy of bullets. <laughs> uh, well, that's the name. Maximum effective range is rated at, thir- it says 1390 feet. So 1,390 feet. Okay. Muskets. You literally... Like, they... People underestimate how accurate muskets were, but not by much. (laughs) Okay. Like, the accurate range for... Let's say... I'm looking at Revolutionary War era. Is... Like, a hundred yards maximum. Okay. Which is 300 feet. So that means that our shotguns are more accurate than Revolutionary War muskets. You see, now that, I don't know if that's just an insult on, like, muskets, or just a massive compliment to shotguns. <laughs> but there's a reason why they were like, don't fire until they see you see the whites of their eyes. Because it's like, I'm not wasting ammo. Oh, yeah, because it'll take forever to reload that, yeah. Well, you're sitting there reloading, you know, the enemy's like, let's walk right up to them and just 
shoot them in the head. <laughs> See, they also had bayonets, right? Oh, but okay. I'm just, yeah. I'm just like trying to think how exactly would they use it? Because, you know, reloading would take a while. I have a hilarious so... story about that, Monty. Oh, go ahead. So, do you know why bayonets were actually made? Uh, no. No idea. They weren't actually supposed to be a melee weapon. Their whole point was to scare the enemy soldiers into running away because, you know, they, you don't want to get stabbed. Yeah. When a European general came over during the Civil War and saw us stabbing each other to death with bayonets, he was like, my gosh, you all are a bunch of, like, absolutely homicidal maniacs. <laughs> I mean, it worked. It worked. That's the problem. It worked. <laughs> the problem? The problem is that it worked? The problem is when you put a six-inch metal spike on the end of a gun to turn it into a spear, it's actually a pretty deadly weapon, Monty. Oh, who would have who thought that turning a gun into a spear would make it a spear? <laughs> I just like to imagine someone just like, eh, I'm out of ammo. They just start charging into battle to, like, a spear. Okay, I... Okay, this makes me think, I've got to give my history resin. So it's Hez's history, okay? You've got the Monty Minute, I've got Hez's history. Okay? Alright, have at it. So, you ever heard of the, I believe it's the 20th Main? Mm-hmm. The Gettysburg 20th Main. Okay. These guys were hilarious, because they're the guys who fought on Little Round Top during the Civil War. Okay. They're confronted by an Alabama regiment who's trying to take the hill, because if they do, they can literally just walk up behind the enemy and shoot them. <laughs> okay, sounds like a, well, you know, a good position to be in. Do you know why why the entire rear of the army was exposed? Uh, I don't know. Because some... Like, really stupid. Like, you might be the smartest idiot. This guy's the dumbest idiot. Like, contender. <laughs> he decides that he's going to advance without orders just into the enemy lines. <laughs> what an absolute mad lad. And so he leaves the entire flank and rear exposed. <laughs> <laughs> So the guy who's leading the 20th main goes, oh shoot, I've got to defend that. <laughs> so he sprints up with his tiny little, like, unit of troops against, like, whole Alabama troop as well. Don't tell me. So they're firing and they're fighting and they run out of ammo. So they just start chucking rocks at them. <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing is, they're hiding behind a stone wall. And they literally just start picking up the wall and throwing it. <laughs> Which is so funny. Like I like to imagine just like, you're in war, gunshots, bodies everywhere, and someone's throwing rocks at you. <laughs> really trying to cane enable the situation. <laughs> but eventually they run out of wall, right? Yeah. So they do the only logical thing. As the enemy charges them with loaded guns, they fix bayonets and charge. Ah. 
It's apparently so frightening that the enemy thinks that entire regiments have come to support the 20th Maine <laughs> and order an immediate full retreat back to their lines. <laughs> that is funny. Uh, I just, I love it. It's truly the summation of America. <laughs> history really is fascinating, honestly. Oh, this is going to be an ongoing thing, the Hezekiah's histories. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, I think it is time for the Monty block, eh? Yeah. So, let's see. The topic I want to talk about today, nature versus nurture, right? Ooh, okay. So, We're delving into deep psychology now. Mm-hmm. Like shallow kiddie pool depth. <laughs> yeah, that's deep for sure. Anywho, so I'm pretty sure everybody's debated this, but you've got an interesting take on this, so go ahead. Mm -hmm. So first off, I'm just gonna say it bluntly: nature versus nurture. It's fifty-fifty. All right, deal with it. (laughs) Oh, oh, really, Monty? Yes. Well, okay. I I do have to argue with you on that because really, exact fifty-fifty split. Okay, not not exact. Right, okay. but I'll I'll give a rough estimate of like around fifty fifty because well, I don't know for sure. Okay, elaborate. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna be talking about this. So we have nature, and then we have nurture, right? So nature is how you are. Like if you were to take a baby, put them in a white room with absolutely nothing, they would well grow up to be that person and we can already like science already has things that clearly show that some people have inborn traits that are kind of specific to them and not to everybody like Like, for example yeah iq right the idea oh you're gonna do this mm -hmm. like people have iq correct Mm -hmm. and some people are born with a low IQ versus someone who's born with a high IQ. And apparently, I don't know, but science shows that you cannot change your IQ drastically, only by like a few points. But you can change it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can, but not like substantial. So right? there is some nurture involved in it. Mm-hmm. But so... that's just the, that's just the IQ side, right? Mm-hmm. So and then nurture. Nurture is where you grew up, how you came to be who you are today, right? Mm-hmm. So let me think of an let me give you an example of like a situation, nature versus nurture. You can have, you know what, a good movie that basically went about this principle, Megamind, right? <laughs> oh, I mean, like, like seriously, seriously, like it actually went like in good detail about this. All right, explain. So I had nature versus nurture, right? Yeah. We got the hero dude, Metro Man. I don't even know how I remember Disney. That's crazy. But we well, have it's Metro a good Man. movie. It's a great movie. A great movie. Metro Man comes down crashing in. He's worshipped like a hero, so the nurture would guide him along the lines of being a hero, right? Mm-hmm. We don't know exactly what his nature is. Because at the end of the movie, he's just doing whatever, just having a good time, having fun. But he's not being Markiplier. <laughs> I mean, he does look like. 
Okay. And then beginning of the beginning of the movie, Megamind is dropped into a prison. So that bozo is well learning nurture to basically be a criminal. Mm-hmm. So cut to like you know some time in the movie, they're doing the hero versus villain. Megamind being the villain, Metro Man being the hero. And then during the movie, you start to learn more that when he transfer transforms into which some other guy, I don't know what his name is, but when he transforms into that guy, he's an actual, he's actually a pretty good person, right? Handles the girl, I don't know what her name is, in question with good respect, good manners, all that good stuff, right? So, and then it just shows that the nature and situation overpowered the nurture. Is it though? Is it his nature to be good? Well, Because, can't really... like, think about ahead, the whole movie, right? Like, he mm-hmm. isn't always, like, he's bad in the beginning, but he's slowly becoming good, is what it seems like. Yeah. So, I'm going to elaborate on that, right? So, in the movie, he slowly becomes good over time. And I would say that's his nature coming through. Because his nurture, he didn't choose to be born into a prison, mm-hmm. but he was, right? But what he did choose is to transform into a guy and start dating Roxanne, or trying to. So oh, that was the name! <laughs> <laughs> of course, that's the thing you're focusing on right now. So yeah. <laughs> What's the name of the girl from Megamind? <laughs> so yeah, she was um, dating that girl, and like I said before, treated her nicely. So I would say that's his nature, peering is, through the nurture. Is that not him nurturing himself, though, to try to become a better person? You know, self-help and all? That is an interpretation, which... An interpretation. Yes. I'm going to try to think about this out loud, right? So okay. we're, let, let's say that that is him nurturing himself to be better, right? So how would that really look then because it would be like him forcing himself to try to do better well i mean isn't that the whole point of having roxanne in the movie is to show that he's trying to improve himself to get the girl and all that well see i wouldn't say entirely it's based on the fact that he wants to get the girl because I, man, I forgot what the heck that kid's name was. The dude that became the big dude. He was, he's memed all the time. The dude that became the big dude. <laughs> <laughs> are well, are I mean, you talking about the guy who becomes Titan? Pal, that's the name, Pal. Pal. You just okay, Googled that, so, didn't you? No, I didn't. That like <laughs> It came out of my brain. Don't, okay. Don't try, to, don't try to accuse me of things. So, Hal, right? He basically... Th- act like Roxanne belongs to. Mm-hmm. So Megamind tried to make Hal become a villain after supposedly supposedly killing off Metro Man. Spoiler alert, he didn't kill him. <laughs> no, I mean, like, all the Mega Man fans <laughs> haven't seen it scream. No, we wanted to watch our Will Ferrell movie with the funny big blue alien. <laughs> Man, get over it, bro. That movie's been out for, like, how many years now? Well, it's it's funny. Like, how many years has it been? I get I'm going off track, but is it okay if we follow this rabbit hole? I don't mind. You don't mega like, mind? 
not funny. <laughs> 2010, man. 2010. Wow. That's, wow. That's that is... 13 years ago. <laughs> that is funny. And it's still a pretty good movie, in my opinion. Like, seriously. It is. Like, but now I feel old. <laughs> Dang old it. geezer. I was five when this came out. <laughs> yeah, oh, 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 wow, that's crazy. We we didn't even, we were hardly able to process words, much less, like, math. <laughs> <laughs> we were still trying to learn how to zip up our jackets. We didn't know what 2010 meant at that point. <laughs> All right, well, back to, you know, the nature versus nurture yeah, thing, okay. right? So I'm going to wrap this up. You know, the whole story part, right? Yeah. So, Hal becomes a quote-unquote hero, but not an actual hero, because he just wants Roxanne. But over the course of the movie, we realize that Mega Man never actually wanted to be a villain. Mega Man? Mega Man! (laughs) You're confusing the wrong blue people. (laughs) So we got Mega Mind. Yeah, Thank you, thank you. Thank Will Ferrell so, yeah. will become very angry at you if you mess that up again. You know, we're just gonna we're just gonna call him Will Ferrell, right? Yeah. So, okay. Will Ferrell, right? <laughs> <laughs> we basically find out in the end that he never actually wanted to really be a villain, but he was kind of forced into it. Is... Hence, the reason why he never actually killed Mega Man and Roxanne was never in actual danger. Like it was even like a gag at some. He had like a shark pit or some all kinds of yeah. traps. He just, just like, oh yeah, normal Tuesday, you know. Yep. Hanging, hanging me by the my spiders neck. new. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, then his weakness was copper. That, that was that was stupid. Uh, like they're really trying to rip, they're really trying to rip off kryptonite for, for Superman. Well, it's it was kind of perfect because it, the whole point is it is a parody of superhero movies, right? So of yeah, course yeah. you're going to have the guy with the stupid weakness. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, but basically mo- the point of what I'm saying here is Megamind was put in a situation where his nurture, the pe- the place around him, forced him. Well, not really forced him, but coaxed him into becoming a villain. But no over doubt. time. No, yeah, no doubt about that. Yeah. But over time, when that environment changed into one that he could control, his nature came out, well, is coming out to the point of where he is becoming someone that is, well, not bad. I'm not going to say he's good because, well, I don't know. What? So that's basically the conclusion of the uh, Megamind bit there. You got any thoughts to add to that real quick? Well, that's my thing, right? Is I'm I'm always trying to advocate that you can change yourself, and I think you have an impact over your nurture to a certain extent. Of course, you do. Of course, I don't think you have 100 percent control because it takes a good mentor to make anybody great. Mm-hmm. But I think oh. that you kind of nailed it on the head when you said he's not a good guy, but he's not a bad guy, because. Mm-hmm. He was raised to be bad, so certain things are just going to be intrinsically locked in there, right? Yeah, exactly. But he's trying, through nurturing himself, to make what he can make good, good. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? 
Yeah. So I would. So in that situation, I would say that his nurture is bad, and his nature is not bad. Emphasis on the fact that I'm not saying good. I, I and then, of course, you know, his nature is peering through. Well, so, we're we're still going to disagree because I feel I still think it's nurture. You still think it's nature. <laughs> okay. All right. So, oh yeah. So during the beginning of the uh, discussion, you uh, argumented against the fifty-fifty. So what do you think was the you know metaphorical percentage? So <clears throat> it's interesting. We obviously there are certain things that are just hard coded in there, right? Like psychopaths, for instance. You know, you know about the whole deal with psychopaths, right? Don't understand yeah. human empathy, emotions, and such. They're just born that way. They can't help it. Mm-hmm. So in that case, I think it's more than 50 is actually their nature. Oh. Because, really? I mean, it literally is just switching your brain so you can't comprehend something, right? Mm-hmm. But for certain people... They don't have as many of those things, so they're you look in the DSM five. That's the like dictionary of mental illness and such. Yeah, I'm convinced that they're trying to make everything a mental illness, like Transformers. At this point, <laughs> <laughs> it's probably a mental illness somewhere. You know what? That that that's funny that you bring it up because they really do seem to be making everything into a mental illness. And some things I'm not opposed to, right? Like bronies, for instance, should totally be a mental illness. <laughs> if you're still looking at My Little Pony at this point, I, I think you need to seek mental therapy help, right? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. It's, it's okay to like My Little Pony. Just, uh, just uh, ignore what he said, all right? We don't want to get canceled. <laughs> oh, come on. Come on, Monty. Are you one of them? Do I have to I'm put you down? I'm not one of them. I just don't want to get canceled, man. <laughs> Okay. You know who Twitter is? Okay, yeah, no, no, okay. But seriously, they need to be put in a mental asylum. But... Well, he said it, we're done, we're cancelled. <laughs> Twitter, go ahead, shoot us up, I'm not gonna stop you. I mean, heck, they already, like, shot, like, poor, like, the crab from Little Mermaid in the back alley, right? So... <laughs> Alright, say your piece, my guy. But, uh... For... Other people, if you don't have that, like, mental blocks, like, everybody has them. Mm-hmm. But the whole point is certain parts of you are nature and certain parts of you are nurture, right? Yeah. So even a psychopath, if, like, their empathy is hard-locked, no nurture whatsoever, right? I won't say no nurture, but yeah, well, yeah. I was 90% no nature. But well, what they choose to do with their life is more nurture. Like, that's up to how they were raised. If their father was a billionaire, they're more likely to become a business person than, you know, say, if they're, like, suburban America and he chooses to become a serial killer, right? Okay. I think I see where you, what you're getting at. Oh, okay. Nurture can also account for self-nurture, you know, self-improvement. Yeah. That is intrinsically self Nurture, right? Yep. So then now we're going to question what exactly is nature? Yeah. And and the other part of it is not like it's not like a set equation for your entire life. 
certain parts yeah. of you are going to be more determined by nature, and certain parts are going to be more determined by nurture. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Like, um, yeah. So, for example, I have a, a good deal of family who are from Memphis, Tennessee. <laughs> it, is a, it, it, it is a hood. Let me tell you. <laughs> okay. I was just worried when we were talking about mental illness, and you're like, so I have family that come from Memphis, Tennessee. <laughs> But for real, though, I got family in Memphis, Tennessee. We were, no, not, I was never raised there, right? Mm -hmm. But my family members that were raised there are, they act completely different from me, right? Mm -hmm. They, they would act, well, to put it bluntly, they would act rash, they would act rude, defiantly, which is different from how I act, right? Yeah. Well, in my opinion, at least. So, but what I can find in common is the fact that, yes, we do act rash, but we do it in, like, different ways. Mm. Like, for instance, when I'm impulsive, it's not in a bad way. Versus when someone from my family would be impulsive, it would be to go shoot somebody or something. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... (laughs) It's crazy down there, man. You don't ever have the urge, Monty? You don't just want to walk out into the street and, like, prepare, like, okay. you, like aim down sights? No? <laughs> okay, so here's here's where nurture comes into play, right? Yeah. The nurture of the environment, my family, other the part of the family that grew up in Tennessee, Memphis, Tennessee, right? Yeah. Their nurture would draw them to, well, shoot somebody. <laughs> If they want to, mm-hmm. versus my nurture teaches me, hey, don't shoot people. <laughs> <laughs> so, are you telling me that nurture, it that nature is a set of tools, and nurture is telling you how to use them? Big exactly. Ah, so when you have a psychopath, you're just deprived of one set of tools for another, and then you use your nurture to work with that. You see, this this man right here, this man right here, he really gets it. That's why he's the dumbest uh, genius, and I'm just the smartest idiot. <laughs> well, that's actually but, interesting. Yeah, you go ahead. I mean, like, you literally nailed it exactly on the head. Nature is literally just the tools you're, you are born with, that you have. And nurture is, well, how you play the deck. Or, well, yeah, how you play the deck. Well, you can like, but... nurture. Let's say I put down a brand new spanking game on Monopoly, right? Mm. And I do not tell my child how to play Monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to have a pretty messed up version of Monopoly when I come back to him 10 years later and go, how do you play this game, right? Yeah. If I give him a set of instructions, he might do better, right? Mm-hmm. But have you ever read the Monopoly instructions? <laughs> no, never actually. They, they suck. They really do. They're just awful. <laughs> but when, whenever you play Monopoly, it's usually an an older person who's played Monopoly before teaches you to play Monopoly, right? Yeah. That's kind of representing you have parents in the home. You have a good family life. That's yeah. when you're getting the the grandpa comes in. He's like, let me tell you about this board game I've like we played when we were five and the radio didn't exist yet, right? 
Yeah. But then you have the degradating degrees of the directions. You know, you got absent parents, or maybe they aren't there at all, right? Like, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And then there are some people who are just dropped right into the foster system. You're just handed a Monopoly board and not told anything about it, right? Yeah. So, I, I hope my Monopoly analogy makes sense. No, it, it really does, honestly. Well, I would say, yeah, yeah, it does. It makes a lot of sense. Hmm. So, let's get some closing thoughts on these uh, topics we brought today. So, I'm going to wrap up Nature and Nurture in a nice bow. Thanks to, you know, what you said about Nature and Nurture, I can wrap it up in like a beautiful bow. So, I would say that based off our conversation and conclusion, nature and nurture is a percentage that can vary. Is, are they even opposing anymore? I don't know if they're opposing or not. This That, that might be something we can discuss at a later time, yeah, yeah. right? All this is multifaceted. But, we can get so much content out of it. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to make milk and this stuff dry, my guy. All right. But... So, like I was saying, so nature is the tools in your toolbox. It's the thing you're going to be building the house with. Nurture would be, well, either the thing you're building, the set of instructions you have, if someone's going to be helping you or not, because that ultimately changes how you're going to use the tools to a certain degree, right? Mm. All right, is it my turn for precision? Yeah, go ahead. So I think... It was less of a, a moral of the story for precision. Yeah. People need to realize that tech's not always going to be getting better. There's going to be some sort of standpoint where, at least for a few years, until they figure out how like they could use laser beams to store information, mm-hmm. which they're already thinking about. I mean, they just tested the first successful cold fusion like last year. So, we're getting, yeah, we're getting into Fallout 4 territory here. <laughs> but, you, there's, there's always a limit to precision. So, this goes back to our, like, measure once, cut once, step back kind of formula from yesterday. Okay. Right. We're filming this on Thursday. <laughs> but Are we now? Are, are we, we really filming this on Thursday? We, now you'll How never you know. know. Now, you will never know. For all you know, we could be filming this on Monday. Mm. But you just have to realize that precision, you've got to, you, you can't just always be perfectly precise. You have to be okay with not looking perfect. Yeah, that's just a thing of life. Well, yeah, but so many people, they go like, well, it's not perfect, but I want to do just a little bit more and a little bit more. I'm like, well, if you keep on doing a little bit more, it's never going to get done. Okay. Like this podcast. <laughs> this podcast is not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. Someone might I even don't know say. What you mean. This is this is absolutely perfect. The <laughs> first episode with my mic quality, that was the best thing you guys have ever heard. <laughs> I hope the mic quality for this was terrible. Cuz mm. if so, I'm just going to be laughing while listening to it. All right. Well, I think that wraps up precision. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. So. Well, you know what time? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Time for that. Time for that. Time for that Monty minute. I'm looking at the timer. 
You know what you're going to talk about? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Get that timer going. All right. Three, two, one, go. All right. So the workout I was talking about earlier, it's a very simple concept. If anyone knows what factorial is, then you'll understand this. So how it works is, say I'm doing push-ups, for instance. You would do one push-up, then two, then three, then four, then five, all the way 45. to ten, whatever desired number you want. So that's actually a pretty good workout. You can go for squats, sit-ups, and if it's too easy for push-ups, change what kind of push-ups you're doing. How do we do on time? Nice. You managed to get it done in 26 seconds. Oh, yay! <laughs> huh. Look at that. Trust me, it's not always going to be as easy, Monty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, no, I'm kind of scared. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's all about we have time for today, folks. Uh, Monty? Yep. Yes, this was definitely a fun time, to say the least. Uh, it's always amazing talking about the spirit of Will Ferrell, who isn't even dead yet. Like, magically. Oh, okay. Come on. He's gonna die now. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. Kill Will Ferrell. <laughs> Can't believe you actually killed him. Gosh, dang like, it. I killed when, Will Ferrell. <laughs> when he dies, I will call you up and I will yell at you. Because you are the reason why he's going to die. I deserved he it. Was I... Going to be... I like, killed like, Will Ferrell. Going... He... Yeah, you, you, kill... you honestly killed him. Honestly. Dang it. Like, he he was going to be immortal <laughs> until once he got that elf position in elf he just was going to live forever just like an elf oh man we're not gonna talk about elf that movie was perfect bang perfect perfect yeah perfect. Ex- except for just... the weird shower scene but anyway <laughs> no no shower scene was the best part All i don't right. know what you mean I am Hezekiah, the dumbest genius. I'm Monty. Well, the smartest idiot. And thank you for listening with us today. See you next time. Thank (laughs) you!